When life happens, plans need to change. Shaping Change, hosted by certified financial planner Ross Marino, is dedicated to helping financial advisors better serve their clients when life takes those unexpected turns. Hi, Kathy. It was so great to have you in San Diego. And from what I understand, this was your first time teaching and sharing with financial planners. Is that right? Yes, this was this was my first one. I was a rookie. Well, the feedback was fantastic. Uh, people loved it. Your your session was packed, as you know. I know I slipped in there and uh, uh, you just engaged me. You know, I, I, I was mesmerized just listening because there's a difference between just doing research on a particular topic and then understanding how to apply that research and how to make it relevant to what I'm doing. And, and I thought it was fantastic. So there was a lot of feedback uh, that was positive. I know the advisors and attendants got a lot out of it. How about if we start off with one takeaway? What do you, what do you think really resonated with the advisors? Um, well, thank you for that, Ross. But what I really think uh, resonated with them is to really look at their language and their communication of how they're speaking with widows and even with clients who are getting a health diagnosis, you know, because we, I, I touched on a little bit of anticipatory grief where, where even though the loss hasn't happened, your clients are going through a lot of those phases and to really learn how to connect, what to say, what to ask that is truly supportive. I felt that that was a strong takeaway. Another area where I felt that was helpful to them is we talked a little bit about um, unconscious bias towards death and grief and, and learning that if someone was 90 and had a wonderful life and passed versus a 40 year old who got diagnosed with cancer, it's still loss and grief. And as an advisor, to there's no degree of level of loss and grief, and to really keep that part out of the conversation, um, that was key. Another area that um, we addressed, and Carolyn Moore um, really supported this up with research, was that the grief fog or brain fog that really affects grievers. Um, and affects the cognitive functioning, it lasts up to two years with many widows. Wow. And so to look at the volume of tasks that and decisions that they have to do that first year, it, it really changes your perspective from an advisor's point of view and, and to prepare up front and to get as many of these things done sooner before the death happens. I remember hearing about the fog and, and I've understood and learned about decision fatigue and I know it's a real thing and a turning point for me was when I went through it my wife had had a heart attack and I was in and out of the hospital going back and forth ICU trying to do different things and then I realized a week or two later that there were conversations I had with people that I completely forgot about. I couldn't even pull the memory. I couldn't even recall it. And, and this is what caught me on that. I understand there's a fog. It's that I was conversing with people, maybe someone in the office, they're asking questions, I'm giving answers. They think that they're talking to somebody who's actually present, but I'm telling you, nobody was home. 
So I, I don't even remember the conversations. Fortunately, when they rehashed them with me, uh, I answered correctly, which was great. But just realizing that even though we can have conversations with people while they're in, in a time of extreme stress and grief, and we think that we're communicating with them, they're, they're just often going through the motions. I mean, how, how do you approach that as a person when even though they can respond to you, it's really tough. They, they, they just may not remember anything going on. No, they won't. And I... I always tell advisors that those first few meetings and sometimes those first several months, they're going to, they're going to remember 90% how you made them feel and 10% about what you said. So, so there's options of following things up with a one pager of this is what we discussed following up with an email of exactly what the next step is and to keep them in the loop more than just the verbal because we're not all verbal and it's specifically in that cognitive stage there's no way um, that they're going to remember and i i've looked at a lot of of issues where you know the advisor really is the first one on the front lines that's it's going to get the call and, and the more you've prepared all of the paperwork, all of everything that needs to be organized, everything empathetically that needs to happen along the way in those first several months is going to help that widowed client rely on you because it's already, that rapport was already built prior. So there's so many facets of how to help and how to support, but the biggest thing was when they are in that freshness when it just happened those first few years is to be the, a listener, listen to understand, um, empathy, finding the emotion rather than putting it in the context and, and working with the family. And if you knew the family dynamics prior, that's always helpful. Yeah, that's great advice. So you also got to attend sessions. You did a lot of networking. I know you're engaged with lots of different people. What did you get out of the conference? Oh my gosh, Ross, this was a rock star conference. I loved it. I loved a couple of takeaways. I loved rigorous empathy, that breakout session um, from Brian and Joy was, it was so, it was organized. It was grounded in theory, but it was so actionable. I mean, Joy gave us so many great action steps that really aligned with many of the things that I reinforced through, through um, grief. I love that one. I love the ones on caregiving and long-term care of just the side of so many transitions that we're going to go through and the caregiving piece. And it just tied so much into, we need to be talking and having so many more of these conversations with our clients. So yeah. those yeah. were my biggest yeah. takeaways. And, and it is uh, consistent with some other people. The, I mean, first the rigorous empathy was fantastic. Uh, I, I love that as well. It was so good to be in that. So I just was taking notes furiously, great session. And the caregiving, that was Trans America in the general session who brought in a guest and did an interview. I'm not sure I've ever had more people personally come up to me at a conference 
and say how much they appreciated and enjoyed a particular session. And, and we've done a lot of large conferences. We've done a lot of meetings and events, over a thousand since 2010. But, but this is by far the presentation I've received the most feedback from, which I think has to resonate with me and with you to, to help us understand that, yes, people get this because this is part of life. And even, even if it's not something we're comfortable talking about, we got to bring it up because everybody's dealing with it. Exactly. And even from what I speak to, and I help advisors with, with, you know, dealing with widowed clients, and the caregiving piece probably led up to that. But after this widow is solo, and now who's going to take care of them? You know, even personally, I thought, well, who's going to take care of me from a widow's perspective? So it was so valuable. And they really helped with the language of how to talk with your clients and families. And that really is something that aligns with what I do. So I was very interested in other experts in this field. So glad that you were part of this year's conference and hope to have you back next year and teaching and sharing and adding value to advisors. Oh, thank you so much, Ross. It was a privilege. Hi, Joy. So great to have you out at the conference. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. It was such a pleasure to join you. Thank you. I just interviewed Kathy Balasek, who is a professor and also speaks about uh, grief and helping advisors understand how widows respond and really given some great insight. And I asked her, what did you get out of the conference as a takeaway? And the first thing she said was rigorous empathy which was the name of uh, part of the session, I guess, or the name of the entire workshop. So what are some of the takeaways that advisors got out of that? Because she just loved what you taught. Well, I'm so glad to hear that. I think in the world we are living in today, as advice is increasingly commoditized, an advisor's edge is empathy a relationship, that ability to connect with a client in a deep, meaningful way is going to have a significant impact on an outcome. And I really believe that if we can be training and equipping advisors to have better conversations, that is going to lead to better decisions for clients, which is ultimately going to lead to better outcomes for everyone. Better conversations lead to better decisions. No question about that. So what are some of maybe the prompts or the questions that you would suggest advisors do and what you talked about in the session to help us have better conversations? Well, we covered our proprietary framework of practicing rigorous empathy within the workshop, but I think a couple of things for advisors to always be holding in mind is making sure that you are really focused on the person in front of you and really thinking about at the end of this engagement, at the end of this exchange, I need to come out of this having learned something new. If I haven't learned something new, even about someone, something about someone that I've known for a long time, maybe I'm not listening as carefully as I could be. And I talked a lot about empathy. There are lots of myths and misconceptions. We're not talking about emotional contagion. We're not talking about distance pity. 
or having just sympathy for someone. We're talking about really perspective taking and importantly, perspective getting so that you can understand and appreciate the context in which your client is living that is driving some of their current decisions. And it helps you to better connect with them. And as they articulate to you their goals, their values, their dreams, so that together you can help them build a bridge from where they are to where they ultimately want to be. And that's great to approach it with trying to learn something. It's so easy for us to have a conversation and make the assumptions because I've had similar conversations before, or I know people that were in a similar situation. And if I have any type of experience, obvious I have this all figured out and I know exactly what they're thinking. But I think it was your, when you did the timeline, you had a main point and then you had the second bullet point that was a sub point. And I believe it said, don't make assumptions. Was that, didn't you lead with that? Suspend assumptions. Suspend. Yeah. Yep. Really clearing, clearing, setting judgments aside. And I think it's so important that we separate people from their behavior and be aware of how powerful your preconceived notions are when you are engaging with people. You know, you, you have sentences and I joke with people around here. I said, there's such nuggets that you just have to stop. You, you, you just dropped one there on the preconceived notions. Would you mind talking a little bit about that and how that impacts my conversations? Absolutely. When we are having, um, um, and we do this to prepare in our lives and think about, okay, what's next? How do I engage with this person? But I often explain to people, the stories we tell ourselves are the most powerful stories we will listen to. And when we are communicating with other people, the stories that we are telling ourselves can very subtly influence where we steer the conversation, the lens through which we are interpreting and seeing that person. So I think it's really important to set that aside and really become a student of the person who's right in front of you. It's such a challenge when you sit down in a conversation like that and to maybe tell myself up front, I have no idea what's going on. I don't know what they're thinking. I don't know what they're feeling, but I'm going to ask them and I'm going to try to listen. Uh, I think it was Neil in the building the, behavior, uh, building the Behavioral Advisor Program that said we as humans are prediction machines. Uh, yeah. That was right. That was on Monday and it actually stuck with me and I've used it in a few conversations. Is that part of the assumptions? Are we constantly in our brain connecting dots and saying this is what's going on here? Yes. And on some level, we have to do that to survive. But I think it's so crucial that we have awareness that a lot of our predictions are false and just having the humility to recognize that and know that and having the willingness to set them aside and importantly say, okay, my prediction was wrong. My assumption was wrong. That's, that's great advice. So you were there, you interacted with other people. I know you know a lot of the speakers. Uh, they've already mentioned you, so I know you had a lot of good conversations. Is there maybe a personal takeaway from the conference that you could share? 
Well, I think something that was just so striking to me is just the power and importance of community. Something, you know, I'm a clinical psychologist by trade. So I think something that often doesn't get enough airtime in the advisor community is the well-being of the advisor themselves. Advisors are faced with different kind of challenges. And we have all been humans who over the course of the last two years have gone through incredibly difficult things. But if you think about the job of an advisor, you've also had to hold space and provide care and comfort and information and reassurance to people who have gone through a lot of volatility and a lot of difficulty themselves. And it can be difficult being on the receiving end of that. So it was just so heartening for me to see the connection among participants. And I think, you know, something I explained to people about trauma and and we can look back at the last two years, we've all lived through various sorts of trauma. Everyone's Everyone's journey has been very individual um, and we're all coming out of this in different places, but I explained to people that that healing and recovery happens in that space afterwards. And I think it is so important for people to now really use this time to really take a breath, take a pause step back and really use the lessons that they've learned about themselves, about their relationship with work and think about what do I need to do? What do I want to do differently going forward? And how can I really be caring for myself? And I really believe relationships make the world go round. So just seeing the community and the connection that happened as people were back in person again was beautiful. So thank you just to you and your team for just the outstanding job you did in facilitating that. Thanks so much, Dr. Joy Leary. Appreciate you having you as part of the program. Look forward to seeing you next year. Thank you. Hi, Joanne, how was the uh, San Diego conference? Hi, Ross, nice to see you. It was fantastic. The weather was fabulous, but the group of folks that I met were just just amazing. It was a great time. Well, you had a wonderful session. And, and what I love about some sessions is the speakers create time to make sure there's questions and they encourage questions. And I know in your session, you had a really good question from someone that you had even an experience to share of. Yeah, this is how it works. You think you could share that? Yeah, um, I'd love to. So one of the attendees asked us what how do we define this aha moment? We were supposed to provide uh, an experience that fulfills us in our practice. And, and seeing the clients reach this aha moment is certainly fulfilling to me. And I had an experience with a client who was, um, I was taking her through retirement transition and using some tools that I have with money quotient. And she was very resistant to even talking about it. And she said she took the tool, looked at it and put it down. She came back a week later. She finally filled it out reluctantly, but she filled it out. We had some, we have our sessions, we're reviewing it, we're talking about it. And then as we're talking about it, her eyes are lighting up and she's thinking about all these things that she would love to do during her retirement 
space that she's put off for years as she was caregiving for her mother, working full time. And it was as though she allowed herself the space and freedom to, to be able to live in this next chapter and to live creatively, but to, to live, but to, to do things that speak to her inner joy. So that to me was a, just an amazing experience. When I listen to Amy Mullen presenting, uh, I, I often have one takeaway that sticks in my brain with different sessions. And I remember during Amy's session hearing that the tools create prompts and the prompts will then encourage a conversation. And someone asked, uh, I'll probably bring this up when I interview Amy, but someone asked that won't this stuff come up in the normal course of a conversation anyway? And, and then that person actually kind of smiled after they said that thinking you, you would think, but no, that's not how it works. You need the prompts. And in order for the prompts to be part of your process, you, you probably need some type of tool. So I think it works great. And it sounds like that's what, that's what the prompt did. And all of a sudden this person just opens up. That's just so cool. Any other neat takeaway you could add? Um, I, well, I, I like the um, sort of our, our theme was this barbell approach to retirement and one other, um, you know, sort of piece of, you know, connection to that was that it's, it's the trust that you develop with your client. It's that relationship that then um, has the opening for referral to a parent or a child, because this was kind of the, you know, sort of connection that we make and, and, and the planning actually, you know, moves to sort of estate planning, which then brings in a parent, for example, or moves to estate planning that then brings in your children. So this barbell approach and everybody having this retirement on their mind experience is fairly accurate because we're all going to face it at some point. So taking, you know, letting that percolate and letting people sort of you know, see that sort of evolve for themselves was, was something that, um, uh, you know, we, we look at in, in, in this experience. So, yeah. So that was the barbell approach was really a focus of what we, we are doing. And a lot of advisors can, can uh, understand that. I remember having literally a handful of clients with RMDs three or four who needed to take required minimum distributions. And then you look up one day and I remember thinking, oh, I have like 15. And, and it hadn't dawned on me because it was during a conversation where I was like, oh, no, my, you know, most of my people are younger, but it was the barbell. It was the referral of parents. And next thing you know, now there's 15 people taking required minimum distributions. And then there's 20 and the number keeps growing. It's just part of the maturation. Now, uh, I know you also attended the conference. You weren't just a speaker, you went to sessions. Uh, how about personally? What was the takeaway or experience on your end that was valuable? I, I was really um, taken back by just getting the appreciation for what this whole retirement phase looks like. I, I had sort of this mental block. It's just, it, it wasn't really colored or drawn out. And this helped to really um, sort of fill in what, how enriching and beautiful and, um, you know, creative space can be for people. It's not just walking on the beach hand in hand, which is a little cliched phrase or picture you see, but, but really, it, it's, it's a really long period of time that we are generative. We are still experiencing life. We still want to have advocacy. We still want to be able to have control. And it's really, you know, 
taking the opportunity to help clients still maintain that. And, and the caregiving in the final years was just a powerful experience to learn how that is shaping um, and how that will be such a huge um, sort of uh, role uh, as people are living longer. And um, so it, it just really opened my eyes up to the whole retirement life and just sort of trying to fill in all the different weave in, you know, very detailed facets of people's lives that are going to be enriching. It's not just, okay, I'm done. Yeah. And that's wonderful. And there, there's a tendency with some advisors that if you get the money right for retirement, we're good. And, uh, you know, that's our job and on people's end, well, as long as you got the money and you're, you're okay, then you can figure the rest out. And, uh, it could be, it should be the best years of your life, but that takes intention and it's certainly more about money. So love hearing that feedback, your session with, uh, with Jordan and with Sydney XYPN loved having you guys as, as part of the conference and hopefully we'll have you back next year. Thanks so much, Ross. Loved it. Appreciate it. Thank you for listening to Shaping Change with Ross Marino. This show is for general information purposes only and is not intended to provide recommendations or advice. Speak with a legal, tax, or financial advisor before making any decisions. Past performance references are historical and do not guarantee future results. Visit rlsummit.com to learn more.